Today we're continuing in our series in the book of Acts. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? We're going to be in Acts. If not, it will come up on the screen behind me. But the series that we're looking at is called Gospel Fire. And I truly believe that the book of Acts will inspire your soul if you let it. I'm hoping that some of you will be reading alongside as we go through this series that you'll be reading the book of Acts. I know that a number of small groups are doing that at this time. They're just continuing with the series. But I think if you meditate on it, it will fill you with faith for God's power to be displayed. Because that's what we see throughout the book of Acts. We see the Holy Spirit coming in power. And it looks at the incredible spread of the early church. From the moment Jesus ascends back to heaven, that's how the book begins. Jesus ascends to heaven, and then he tells the disciples to wait for the gift that he's going to give them. And so I spoke on this at the beginning, and they were all gathered around waiting in that upper room. And they, they prayed together constantly for 10 days. They waited And you can imagine that they were terrified, going, God, what is it that you're going to send? What is this gift you're going to give us? And it was the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they're huddled together waiting, and then Pentecost comes. And so these tongues of flame come and rest on them, and the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. What happens as a result of this is that they receive strength and courage to tell the world that Jesus died and rose again to pay for everything wrong to pay for for sin. And as a result, every single person in the world can have a relationship with their creator. That was the gospel message. That is the gospel message, is that everybody can have a relationship with the Lord. Now this, the reason that we've used this uh, this image of gospel fire is it's because it's about the, the proclamation, the speaking out of the gospel, and at the same time, how that that moves. It's like fire, when you have a spark and a fire starts, and it moves from person to person to person to person. And that's exactly the image that we're given, is that the fire spreads across the world. And do you know what? It's an absolutely staggering story, the birth of the early church. And today we're going to be looking at Acts 3. So grab your Bibles. It says this, starting in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he is put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do I have, what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He and God, his feet, and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our father, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith 
In the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. You can't look at this passage without discussing the subject of divine healing. Well, you could, and I'm sure many have tried, but it would be a bit strange. Here we see Peter and John healing a man who couldn't walk in the power of Jesus' name. Now, as I'm looking at the subject of healing this morning, it's, I'm not going to use the word ironic, but in my own household this week, it has not been a story of great healing. And therefore, my, Jen's been ill with tonsillitis for the last seven days. Izzy's here in the service, kind of lying on the floor, um, because she's got an ear problem. Um, yeah, her ear's hurting a lot, and there's various things coming out of it, which is not very nice. Um, but do you know what? That doesn't stop us. We've, we've been praying for it this week, and I'm expectant this morning because I know that the Lord loves to heal. And he loves to pour out his power. And do you know what? There's a, there's a great story from last Sunday night that I just wanted to share with you as kind of a, a starter. At the end of the service, a ministry time came up. Nathan had been speaking, and he gave a word for healing. And a guy in his 20s slowly hobbled to the front, really struggling to walk and looking to be in pain. He had a knee brace on, and much of his leg around his knee area was bandaged. Uh, this, this is... I'm, Telling the story, it's not actually me, somebody else prayed for him. But I started to pray for him, sensing that I should ask God to fill him with the Holy Spirit before I prayed for his knee. I then asked if I could pray for his leg, which he then agreed. And I prayed the simple prayer, Lord Jesus, please heal this knee and take away the pain. Whilst laying a hand upon it without really knowing what was going to happen next. I then asked him to try and move his leg and he started trying to bend it and move it. And his eyes started to light up as it started to move up and down, letting me know that it was certainly starting to improve. And I asked him how it felt and he told me that he hadn't been able to move it this much without excruciating pain. And now the pain was starting to reduce. I thanked God for what he was doing and then asked if I could pray for it again. After this, I asked him to do the same and he was able to move his knee even further. And he told me that the pain had reduced further again. Thanking God, I, again, I prayed one last time for him. He looked astonished and said that the pain had Pretty much gone. He then took off his knee brace and bandaging and started to move his knee backwards and forwards and then started jogging on the spot. <laughs> to be honest, I would love to say that I expected that this healing was going to happen from the outset, but I was equally as amazed as he was. <laughs> he had walked into the building virtually unable to climb the stairs and walked out of the building without any pain or discomfort at all in his knee, being able to walk easily. It was so faith-building to see his knee healed and be reminded that God has the power to do incredible things if we just invite the presence of the Holy Spirit and have the faith to partner with him. Isn't that awesome? That was... And I'm going to be honest, it raises your expectation for today, doesn't it? Just in terms of that the Lord is on the move. I believe that there are people in this room that God wants to heal today. Because whenever God's spirit is present, we see God's healing power. And I have come with the, it was amazing. We prayed before the service and there were about six of us just praying. Just such a powerful sense of the Holy Spirit this morning. It was one of those moments where you're like, oh. Now I'd love to say it's always like that. but um, it, And it is. There's always an expectation that the Lord would come. But I, genuinely within my soul, there is faith that the Lord is going to do a work in this room today. And I'm excited about that.
So coming back to the passage in Acts 3, the reason this man began, began jumping around and praising God and all the other people around him began to praise God was not only because the man stood for the first time in his life, it was because he physically must have been instantly transformed. And people saw the breaking in of the kingdom of God. They were having a God moment in which they were, for perhaps for the first time in their lives, confronted by the reality of God's goodness and his power. Peter prayed and the man was instantly healed. Now, I do not see in the Bible that God has promised or guaranteed perfect healing in this age before Jesus returns. We don't see everybody that we pray for healed. Here at Cardiff Vineyard, we do not believe that the Bible promises that God must heal. Whenever we approach healing or any other subject, we need to hold on to this view that God is free to do what pleases him. Now, I must immediately add that what pleases God is to always act in love towards us. And he's always wanting to bless his children, but he doesn't always choose to make us happy. Blessedness is different than happiness. And we must not pin promises onto God or limit God to what we believe would be helpful or good for us and for our eternal destinies. When we approach the subject of healing, we always enter into the mystery of our relationship with God. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is a mystery. And I find these words from Alexander Venter very, very helpful. The best book I've ever read on this is a book called Doing Healing by Alexander Venter. And... and it really speaks into this story from last week as well. He, he says this, when I think that I have healing worked out, I find that what happens and what doesn't happen confuses me. I think I know, but I realize that only God knows. The God of surprises heals when you least expect it. That was a little bit about the story last week, wasn't it? There's that Mark, um, he was praying for somebody and suddenly it was like he turned around and it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> the person's completely healed. And at times of little or no faith, we may merely go through the motions and healing happens. Sometimes people get healed who didn't even ask God for it. Sometimes the presence of God is so powerful in a room that people will just be healed. It just happens without somebody being prayed for them. I've seen that happen. Then after intense prayer and fasting, when you think healing is taking place, apparently nothing happens. I know godly people who've suffered and faithfully prayed for decades without receiving healing. These and other contradictions raise many questions, some of which can be answered, while others remain unanswered. We must be humble about the limits of our knowledge and respectful of the mystery of God's kingdom. John Wimber, who, who started this network of churches that we're a part of, he said he had a file in his mind marked unknown. He would ask Jesus to explain when he got to heaven. Frequently, he would file away an incident, a question, a mystery, with a wry smile of unknowing. And at other times, he would file things away with great agony of spirit, not letting it go, but wrestling with God over the matter, determined to find answers. Why is that? Because... Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus again, and it says again and again, Jesus had compassion. Jesus had compassion. That we believe in a God of mercy as well. And do you know what? Going through a long-term illness or going through something that is really difficult is incredibly draining. And so we sit there, and you know, anybody that's been through it, or anybody that's in it, or anybody that's lived with somebody knows how difficult, incredibly difficult it is. And we have a God that we love, that loves to be involved with us, and he is a good God who loves his children, and so we ask him, Lord, would you come and heal? And just to go on, even this contradiction is part of the mystery of healing. God is not a gambling machine. Put in the right prayer and out jumps the healing jackpot. 
Sickness and healing is a mystery precisely because behind it is a sovereign God who seeks us for himself beyond what he can give or do for us. And this is just how he summarizes. Venter says, in summary, I approach this subject with faith and warfare and with trembling respect and dependence on God. We are treading on holy ground. Because I think it's very easy sometimes for a pastor to stand up and just say, do you know what, this is an easy subject. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we just need more faith for healing. I think that this is a really difficult subject. I know that there will be people in here who have got a long-term illness and who've been up to the front and have been prayed for and they haven't seen healing. That, that is the reality. But at the same time, we go through the scriptures and again and again, we see that the Lord heals people and he loves to heal people. And so as a church, what we have to do is we have to do something really difficult and we have to stand in the tension between these two things. What happens is we love to go to extremes. We love to make things really simple and be like, God heals every time. The problem about saying that, you sit in an environment, you know, the church that just claims, you're already healed, you just don't know it yet. And I'm like, no, the reality is I'm looking at that person and they haven't been healed. We, we need to be real about what's going on in the room. At the same time that I completely stand here in expectation that the Lord can and does heal people. I have seen people healed again and again and again. I have seen the power of God come into rooms and you know, legs grow and just incredible things happen. So we are standing right here in a tension between these two things. And we have to, you know, one of the, there's a brilliant book about the vineyard and it's called The Quest for the Radical Middle. And that is a great description of what we're trying to do. We're trying to stand in the radical middle of being expectant that God can and does heal, and at the same time, realistic that not every time he does. And this is a story, one of our major theologies is about the kingdom. You know, if you were to say, what is the vineyard theology? It's about the kingdom of God. And it's this, it's that the kingdom of God has come when Jesus died and rose again. It was like the start, it was the inauguration of the kingdom of God that Jesus had won that he'd already won the victory. But yet we stand in this time before we get to go to heaven. One day we get to go to heaven and we will see perfect healing. We will see the world as it's meant to be. We will live in the fullness of God. But we, la- but we stand in an in-between moment between that, those two times where we see the power of God. Let our Father who are in heaven, you know, it's that prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And what happens is we see this inbreaking of the kingdom. And it happens time and time again. But yet we do not see it in its fullness. And it's massively frustrating that we don't. So we see these two things. And we have to stand in that saying, God, we need more of your power. But yet we haven't seen the fullness of what will happen one day. So we need to have a, we need to have a theology of heaven as well, that one day we do get to go and be with God and he will make, the lion will lay down with the lamb and that will happen one day, but we are seeing the inbreaking of the kingdom now. Last week, we saw the inbreaking of the kingdom and I think part of it is that we have to keep pressing into what the Lord would have us do and he commands us and he's like, I want you to pray for the sick and you will see people come, you will see people healed and so that is a complete rant off my notes, but come on! Um, I'm lost. Um, one last point on this. The danger is what happened, if we, if we go with the tension one way, that the church and his bride, and it stops praying for healing because it's too difficult, they're never going to see the power of God come. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but the other extreme is also not right. So we have to stand in this middle ground. So what was it? And I think as we come back into this Acts 3 
passage. What was it that released this healing miracle? So listen to Peter's prayer in verse 6. Peter said this, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. Now, when people hear of a miracle, an undeniable miracle, a miracle of the healing of infertility or the healing of a fatally ill child, you know, fill in the blank, they often believe that there must be some amazing prayer that produced that miracle. The prayer must have been said in a particular order. Now, right here, we do not see Peter performing some special ritual, praying a specifically written prayer for this occasion. Peter's prayer, if you could even call it that, was relatively brief. It was a simple prayer of command in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, I would suggest that many of us don't know how to pray biblical prayers for healing or miracles. We think that if we pray longer or harder or more intensely, then healing will come. One of the things that we want to do when we pray for healing is to listen to the Lord. It's the starting point. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is the Holy Spirit leading you to pray in a direction that you were not originally intending to pray? Is the Holy Spirit beginning to reveal to you some underlying issues? What I didn't tell you about the story that I read out was that there was a backstory to that as well, of some other stuff that was going on as well. And actually the Lord broke into that before the healing occurred. Now, perhaps this physical problem that you're praying for is linked to an emotional hurt or a psychological trauma suffered in the past. The more the words, sometimes the less the listening and the less the healing. Listening and healing go hand in hand. And I know it can be very uncomfortable as somebody who prays for somebody else to be quiet. You know, you go up to somebody, somebody's at the front and you're like, what can I pray for? And then you're like, I'm just going to be quiet for a couple of minutes. And they're like, what? I wanted a brilliant prayer. What are you doing? I wanted you to pray your best prayer. They're expecting something amazing and you're like, I've well, I've got the Lord. But do you know what? Sometimes to encourage somebody, I will just simply say, you know, it's good just to wait on the Lord. We're just going to wait on the Lord. And that's how I start. It's like, you want prayer for healing. Can we just wait on the Lord? And let's see what he wants to say. It's good to wait. And when you pray, you don't have to go into this lengthy prayer informing God of the specifics of the medical diagnosis. God, I've heard so many of these prayers. I'm not laughing. Um, But God knows better than we do precisely what the medical condition is and what caused it, doesn't he? He already knows what's going on. And so what's happening when we're praying for healing is we're partnering with the Lord who is always moving. You also, we also don't need to beg God. As if God was a stingy person whose pity you have to invoke by getting on your hands and knees and begging. That is not the image that we have of the Lord. You know, our prayers reveal our thoughts about God. When somebody is begging God, what what is their image of God? That he's like Scrooge. We pray unbiblically when we beg. Sometimes people believe that they're being spiritual when they pray, Father, if it be your will. And then they pray for healing. Sometimes the if it be your will prayer is not a prayer of faith. It can be a prayer of unbelief. So let me just translate this prayer. If it be your will for some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, what we're really saying is, Lord, I know you aren't going to do anything. If you actually did something in front of me, I would have a heart attack. (laughs) I would not know what to do with this. But it doesn't sound particularly spiritual for me to say, I know you aren't going to do anything, God, so this is all a big waste of time. Instead, I will cover my unbelief with the veneer statement, if it be your will. 
So instead of being direct with God, praying to him the way that Jesus has instructed us to pray, ask, seek, knock, perhaps we beat around the bush and believe that we'll be heard by our many words, believe that God has to be flattered for 25 minutes before he works. You know, there was a quality to Jesus' prayers that was almost wholly lacking in the prayers of most of his followers. Jesus' prayers were really simple. Why? Because he knew who he was talking to. There was a great intimacy and great authority. There's those two things. He's the first person that we record in Judaism who addressed God simply as Father, Abba, Father. So just, I'm just trying to encourage you that simplicity and intimacy and directness in our prayers... Much of the prayer time that Jesus spent with God, he was just listening to the Father. He wasn't speaking. When we think about the danger is sometimes we think about prayer and we think about just us in this one-way conversation with the Lord. The Lord, you've got to do this. Lord, you've got to do that. Do you know, that's not prayer. Well, it is a form of prayer. Do you know, that's all right. But actually, prayer is about a two-way connection. It's about a relationship. It's about listening and speaking. It's about these two things going on. That's, that's what prayer is. We need to train ourselves to stop talking so much when we pray. Train ourselves to stop informing God as if he's ignorant or begging God as if he's stingy or flattering God or beating around the bush as if God doesn't know what you need ahead of time. We need to train ourselves to be brief and direct and to incline our heart to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The whole book of Acts is about this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Most of Jesus' prayers were incredibly short. They were prayers like walk, see. We read in verses 11 and 12, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? If we don't believe God releases healings through special prayers, many people believe that the reason a healing occurred was because of a special person. There must be something about the person that prayed that prayer. They're specially or uniquely in touch with the Lord. Peter does what all men and women of faith do. He deflects the glory away from himself. And he points the glory to God. He says, let me tell you where the credit's due. Why do you look at me as if by my special words, I've been able to make this man walk? This is all about the Lord Almighty. So, You don't have to be a special person for a miracle to be released through you and your prayers. There's a major difference between the way that we in the vineyard understand healing and the way that some other churches practice faith healing. In some churches, there is the exaltation of one person who's celebrated as a faith healer. And the healing is done from the stage, and unless one person lays his hands on this said person, there's no hope of being healed. Here in the vineyard, we don't believe in one divine healer other than Jesus. Jesus is the divine healer. It's true that some people are more frequently used to heal the sick than others. That we could say that these people do have a healing ministry or gift of healing or whatever way. Genuinely, I've seen that. I've seen that some people, when they pray for sick people, they seem to get well. There is is an anointing on them. But the practice of healing has been given to the whole church. I want you to see this. Here's what Jesus commanded the apostles to do in Matthew 10, verse 7. He said... As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
He commanded the apostles to go through Israel, healing the sick. And then he tells the apostles, teach your followers, people you're making into disciples, to obey everything that I've commanded you. So here at the vineyard, we do not believe in one healer. We believe in a healing church. That is a massive thing. We believe that when you know Jesus, you are commissioned and capable of praying for sick people. There's a phrase that we use, everybody gets to play. It's not that we sit here and suddenly, you know, people will come to me and it's like, Pastor James, could you pray for me? It's like, do you know what? I can do, but this person next to me is equally qualified to pray for you. In fact, they might do a much better job than I will. It's because we can all pray. It's every member in ministry is that we all get to do this. Because can you imagine the power, rather than suddenly the pastor being trained to pray, imagine if this room was released on the city. Imagine if we were all like, do you know what, I'm going to try and pray for 20 people this week. Well, let's say there's 150, 170 people in the room. That's a lot of prayers for healing, isn't it? Suddenly that commission that we all get to do the stuff changes everything. God longs to use us is really my point. Do not disqualify yourself from praying for people. You are not disqualified. In fact, I believe that the Lord would say to you, you are absolutely qualified. Yes, there are some things that we learn in process of how to do these things better. Completely agree. But at the heart of it, we can all pray for the sick. Here's how Peter explains the miracle in verse 12. He says, do you know what? I've got more, but I'm aware of time. And I want to pray for some people. So why don't we stand up?